Welcome back to the show. I'm Travis Chappell, and I believe that if you can connect with the best, you can become the best. So after creating 800 podcast episodes about building your network, I've come to realize that networking is really just making friends. If you're doing it the right way, anyway. Join me as I make friends with world-class athletes like Shaquille O'Neal, entertainers like Rob Deerdeck, authors like Dr. Nicole LaPera, former presidents like Vicente Fox, or even the occasional FBI hostage negotiator, billionaire real estate mogul, or polarizing political figure. So if you want to make more friends that help you become a better version of yourself, then subscribe to the show and keep on listening, because this is Travis Makes Friends. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another midweek mashup here on the Travis Makes Friends podcast today. We are talking all about branding, and so we went deep into the archives to search for a few of our guests that have talked about branding and people who I would recommend you check out when it comes to branding as well. So the first one is a guy that you may have heard of, maybe you haven't heard of his name, but you probably heard of his company slash team. He's the owner of the Savannah Bananas, which has been making waves lately. I think they had their own show on ESPN Plus even they're all over ESPN, Sports Center, any of these kind of sports accounts that you see online. And they've really just been making waves lately. And I had Jesse Cole on the show a few years back, and we talked a lot about branding because he is a guy that has decided to wear a yellow tux everywhere, like all the time, for like the rest of his life. And he did this before the Savannah Bananas were, you know, meeting any sort of national notoriety. So, Jesse knows a thing or two about branding and it's been working out extremely well for him. It's been cool for me because I kind of had a front row seat to watching him go from just a guy who got a random baseball team in a random part of the country to somebody who's literally making waves and changing the game of baseball. They're, they're going on tour right now, the banana ball tour and they kind of their own branding, their own game. Jesse is a branding expert to say the least. So uh, we brought in Jesse Cole on this one. Then we have Billy Jean. Uh, the dude's made tens of millions of dollars in his online business and as one of the smartest media buying marketers that I know, like one of the best paid advertising marketers that I've ever met. And he also knows a thing or two about branding. So we brought in Billy on this episode to drop some knowledge, drop some wisdom. And then lastly, we brought in Patrick Bet David. Patrick recently made a huge branding move when he changed the name or when he bought the domain vt.com for two and a half million dollars recently. They had Valuetainment for a long time, which they picked up a few years back. That was the name of their YouTube channel. And then that YouTube channel is now turned into this entire media company, a media empire. And it is much more than just one guy in a YouTube channel now. And it's really cool, again, to kind of see the progression over the years because I had Pat on twice. The first time was back in 2017 when his YouTube channel had maybe 300,000 subscribers and he was still very much in the weeds of running his insurance company. Uh, then I had him on a year or two after that uh, when his YouTube channel surpassed a million subscribers and he started kind of turning his sights toward more of the media empire type business. And now to be able to see him post exiting his insurance company for multiple nine figures, which gave him a decent little cash reserve to to launch Valuetainment with, but then also just to see the progression of Valuetainment and becoming, like I said, something that was just a YouTube channel before. And now it's an entire media company with different talent and different hosts and news sources, a high traffic website, multiple shows being built out and a lot of other things that they're planning on doing with that. And now they bought the name VT.com, which was a really obviously pricey transaction. But for somebody like him, he understands the value of the brand. That's why we brought him back into this episode to talk about it as well. So please enjoy this episode all about branding with Jesse Cole, Billy Jean and Patrick Bedavid. The owner was crazy enough to offer me a job as a general manager at 23 years old of his wow. team in Gastonia, North Carolina. 
And I took that team. And the first day I showed up, I found out that they only had 200 fans coming to the games, that there was only $268 in the bank account. And the team was losing more than $100,000 a year. So uh, it was a crazy first day. But that's, I wouldn't trade anything because there I learned that what business you're in, but what business you're really in. And I learned that we were not in the baseball business because no one was coming to our baseball games, that we had to be all about the circus and all about entertainment. And it was then back at 23 years old, I turned the ball games into a circus. Our players doing choreographed dances during the games, grandma beauty pageants. I mean, literally, I was in the dunk tank every game, live bands playing on the field, and we had a lot of success. And turned that into buying the franchise in 2014 and then buying an expansion franchise in Savannah, Georgia and heading there just two years ago. And that's when the real chaos happened. So that's the Sparknotes version of the story. (laughs) The Sparknotes. Okay, well, let's, let's get a little bit deeper into the content then. So you're 23 and you get all of this bad news dumped on you basically the first day of this job that you, I assume you're probably pretty stoked about at the time. Uh, So a general manager at 23. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. So I'm sure on your first day, you probably realized why he gave you that job. (laughs) No one else wanted it. (laughs) Exactly. So, so at this point, was it just like the wind was taken out of your sails or were you like, yeah, let's bring it on. Let's do this. I think the best leaders want to take something on when it's down. You never want to go to something when it's on the top. And so for me, I was excited about the challenge. I mean, I couldn't make it any worse. So what was, was, well, I was so fortunate. The owner of the team said, Jesse, whatever you want to do to try to make it different. And I said, yes. And that's where I learned the power of dramatically being different. You know, it's better to be the only than anything else. And we want to be the only team that had dancing players in the middle of the game. The only team that was literally having world's largest pillow fights on the field before the games. I mean, we just literally turned it into a circus and we learned so much from that. So, you know, that's where it started. And then when we came to Savannah, we just took it even further. And that's where our unbelievable success has happened. And I've never seen this happen in the sports industry, what's happened over the last two years. And I think every business owner, no matter what they're in, you know, they need to look at, they look at the challenges in the business. In my book, Find Your Yellow Tux, I talk about the mirror moment. And I realized that there was something frustrating many people about the baseball industry. It was long, it was slow, it was boring. People were getting nickel and dime when you go to ballparks, you're paying for tickets, food, drinks, everything. It'd be so expensive. So we turned it on the back side and literally did everything different. So like all of our tickets are all you can eat. You know, all your burgers, hot dogs, chicken sandwiches, soda, water, everything for $15. You know, we made nonstop entertainment. We literally have a senior citizen dance team called the Banana Nanas who are in their 70s and dance Justin Timberlake on the field every game. You know, (laughs) I mean, we have a break. We have a break dancing first base coach who does the moonwalk while he's giving signals. All these things, a pep band at a baseball game, a 30 piece pep band playing song throughout the ballpark. So we turned it into this whole entertainment thing. This is what the fascinates me the most, I think, about entrepreneurs in general. I don't know if it's the person personality type or the mentality or if it's learned or if it's taught or if it's if you're born with it whatever it is but it just like this is a situation where most people are going look I tried it it didn't work I got to go get a job like I got to go pay my bills what are you thinking during this time purpose and belief you know I believe everything in business is belief and we believed that we were doing something dramatically different than anyone else we believed that people would eventually catch on and believe in us it doesn't happen at first because it was so foreign And all the craziest ideas, people don't catch on right away. I mean, if you think about everything, it's not like right away, wow, that makes sense. I mean, Airbnb, the struggles they had in the beginning, and now everyone's doing Airbnb. Same thing with Uber. So we knew that this is how baseball should be watched. It should be all about fun and baseball secondary, but it was going to take time to catch on. So as we laid there in our airbed, barely sleeping, I used to think it's just going to take time. And, Mm. you know, every entrepreneur has to go all in at some point. 
You yeah. can't just continue to roll. And, and we, that was our all-in moment. And, and I'm excited because in a few years, we're probably going to have another all-in moment. And I think that's what makes entrepreneurs special is because they look forward to those. They want those challenges. And that's what drives me. I don't want it. Once it gets easy, that's when you need to work harder. Right, right. Well, the struggle is what ultimately will always produce the best results. I think that especially in our generation, I think starting in our parents' generation, to be honest, where there was this idea that avoiding struggle somehow led to a better life because everybody went through adversity and had these setbacks and they're like, I don't want my kids to have the same adversity that I did. So then they make it to where like the world is a nice place where there's no adversity. And then <laughs> you go into life thinking that and then you first sign of adversity, you're like, nope, I don't like it. I feel pain. I'm done. I'm out. And then yeah. that's what happens. It's everybody just goes where they feel safe and secure. And then yeah. you settle for average and settle for mediocre because ultimately what produces the best is the struggle. It's so cool to hear stories from people like you who've actually like been there, done that. Now you're able to see that next success. And the cool thing about it is that you're looking for the next struggle because that's how you know the next even bigger success is going to come out of that. Yeah. If you're not seeing some criticism or struggle, you're playing it too safe. And I think what you're just talking about is developing grit. Most people don't develop grit because they stay comfortable. And you've probably heard it from many of your great guests. You got to be comfortable being uncomfortable. Mm. So I challenge myself and our staff of all millennials. What are we doing each day to get uncomfortable? What are we doing to challenge ourselves? And it, it's been interesting because when we had be able to sell out all of our games and we have this wait list for thousand, I tell the guys, hey, this is too easy for you now. Let's try something crazy. That's why we had a morning beer festival, literally hosted a beer festival called Tap of the Morning. And it started at 9 a.m. Yes. Does that make any sense? I mean, we're like, literally, people want to drink at night. Let's do the exact opposite. And that's one of my big premises. Whatever's normal, do the exact opposite. So we said, we're going to have the world's only morning beer festival at 9 a.m. You know what? And you know what happened? It wasn't selling tickets the first couple of weeks. I go, guys, this is a challenge. What are we going to do? So then we're like, all right, we're going to start serving biscuits in the bullpen and donuts in the dugout. And we started thinking of all these cool things that we could do, free wake-up calls. So we literally called everyone at 7.30 in the morning, 8 o'clock in the morning and did free wake-up calls. And we ended up selling almost 800 tickets. It was a huge success. And we learned from it. But you need to continue to challenge yourself. It, companies don't reinvent enough. You need to continue to reinvent. And that's what we're doing. So when you ask what's next for me, the reality is, I don't know exactly. Yeah, and that, that yeah. and that excites me. That fires me up. And my, I told my staff, I go, guys, if you can't handle change, this isn't going to be a great organization for you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so for people that are listening, they're not obviously seeing a picture of you or watching a video. <laughs> so there was a part in the intro where we talked about find your yellow tux. So walk us through that. What the heck is all that about? <laughs> so six. Seven years ago now, for the first game of our 2011 season, I said, if we're going to be pieing people in the stand, our players are going to be dancing. We're going to be doing crazy giveaways like Porta Johns, which we've given away during the games. And if we're going to be giving away colon cleansings during games, I need to be dressed like a showman. So I got one of my friends who owned a bridal formal shop, got a black tuxedo with, you know, the big uh, tails. And it was 104 degrees on opening night. I oh, almost goodness. melted. So I was like, this doesn't work. So I went online. I was like, I got to find a lighter tuxedo. So I found this website. It exists. Brightcoloredtuxedos.com. And I found a yellow tuxedo. I overnighted it, wore, wore it that first night, and it stuck. Everyone was taking pictures. It, it fit me. And now I own seven of them. Literally, the, <laughs> the staff just came together and surprised me and bought a custom-made yellow tuxedo for when I'm speaking around the country. They're like, you can't look like a circus character anymore. You need to look good, Jesse. So they got me a seventh yellow tuxedo. I've proposed in it. I've slept in it. I've worn it over 300 times. I wear it every single day. And what I believe more than anything, Travis, is if you ask any person or any company, what makes you stand out? What makes you different? 
And very few people have a good answer to that. Mm. And what I've learned, you can't be successful if you're not standing out. And so I've embraced it. It's part of my brand. It's who I am. And I love it. And it's authentic to me. No one else should wear a yellow tuxedo. Believe me, yellow is not a great, <laughs> it's not a great color on many people. But whatever your strengths are, whatever you're the best at, amplify it a hundred times and be that person. And so I think that's where I talk about in the book and how you can stand out. And then you can also make your business stand out. And I'm really gung-ho on that. Yeah, truly, truly living and practicing what you preach, which is, which is more than I can say for a lot of people. So really cool stuff you got going on there, man. Confidence. It's the secret weapon. I'm going to go in on this. If you ever watch interviews of the best, you know, athletes or entrepreneurs in the world, these fucks are confidence yeah. to the point where people will call you crazy and delusional. And like, you know, I mean, look at like Ali. And if you look at like even Floyd Mayweather, people are like, ah, he talks so much arrogance. It's a Connor. But the thing is, if you actually watch his actions at the end of every fight, he's the first person to compliment, give yeah. mad love to his yeah. competitors, always speaks of them in the highest degree. Always, but he's entertaining and he's just confident. And you have to be confident because you get to this point where nobody will believe in you. Right. Because they've never accomplished it for themselves and they're not, they just don't know any better. So they're just going off what they know. But please stop looking for resolve or this like support layer from your significant other, from your parent, because their journey is different than yours. Therefore, they don't understand it. And when you run into an issue, which you will run into many and they will never stop at any point in your career. It's confidence is the only thing that gets you through. And the way that you get confidence is from results. And the way that you get results and whenever your products or services is from practice. You got to practice. So like the one thing I always had extreme confidence in is my ability to sell. And so I always just kept betting on me because I'm like, I can sell my way out of the situation. Yeah. So I always had my thing, you know, and I got get it sales from practice. I had sales jobs. Like I said, I sold cars. I fucking sold t-shirts. Like I sold everything. Yep. So you confident. Gross belief in yourself, yeah. right? Now, don't be arrogant and think you can know everything. Yeah, yeah. Because that will put you into a hole that's darker than not having any confidence. Don't think you know, but like be confident enough to seek out help from somebody who really does have the blueprint. You know what yeah. I'm saying? It's that balance, but confidence is fucking Confident it. enough to know that you can do it, mm-hmm. but still like knowing that you need help. Yeah, confident enough to know that you can do it, but not arrogant enough to know that you know the best way to do it. Right, right. Uh That you don't need anybody's help or anybody's guidance. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. now you cross the line into being broke. So this is the question I ask everybody that ever comes on to get this conversation headed in the right direction. Yeah. So do you believe that what you know or who you know is more important and why? I genuinely believe from the bottom of my heart, you got to have both. I think they both serve a purpose. So for example, with networking with me is I'm very like independent and like our company, we like kind of said ourselves, we didn't really team up or meet up with too many people for a long time. And part of the reason was for that is because I didn't feel like I had something to bring to the table. Mm. So for this episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates so you can connect with those people even 
faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. In fact, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And look, guys, one of the things that I wish I would have used Indeed for is this matching service. You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented with quality candidates, like 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 hiring a a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you, that work by itself is the fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters is is pretty insane. So they leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day, which is why Indeed's matching engine is the best one that you can use. It's constantly learning from your own preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets at doing the job for you. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at indeed.com slash Travis. Just go to indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Example, like everybody, like if someone can network, right, they may say things like, I want to network with Tony Robbins, right, who would be considered world-class, maybe the one of the top entrepreneurs right now that's mm-hmm. out there. But if I asked them, if you were sitting with Tony Robbins, how could you help him? They'd probably be like, quiet, well, I couldn't. I just, you know, I want him to help me. And yeah. it makes it all about you. And that's never works for any networking situation. So make sure you come to the table and you got your thing. So my thing is that I can make videos that's self. Mm-hmm. And I can do it on social media. I can do it better than almost anyone in the world, most people in the world. Yeah. And because of that, if I was sitting across from Tony Robbins right here or whoever it is, or Damon John sat in that chair or this chair, I can sit there and I can feel great about myself because I know if he gave me any of his companies, I can, can make more sales for them leveraging this stuff. And I know it better than anyone on his team. Yeah. So even though he's got way more business knowledge in this, more money, more TV time, all of these things, I got my thing that allows me to contribute, which makes networking way easier. Yeah. And secondly, I also have audience. I have reach. We have people. So when I go up to, you know, that other person and they want to promote their book, I have an audience to do that to it. If I tell people about my book, they will buy it. Yeah. So again, just can, being aware that in order to make the big relationships you really want to connect with, you got to have something to bring to the table. Also too, Kevin O'Leary said this once, which is another shark, shark tank, probably my favorite shark. And Kevin O'Leary says, uh, someone asked him a question in an interview, like, how do you meet people like blank, mm-hmm. you know, the Cubans and all this stuff. And he said, very simple. You pay them. People go, wait, I don't understand. Like, I don't have any money to pay them. Yeah, that's the point. You haven't created enough value to even be able to afford them. So your chance of being able to sit at the table and eat with them is rare. And then at one point, you get enough like audience and values to the point where it's a mutual exchange. So now when I meet most people, it's like, cool, I know what you do, I need to do. There's mutual respect there. Like, let's get together. And money's not a discussion. But while I was getting things going, pay for someone to come. Because once people see that one person you're associated with, to attract the rest becomes way easier. So do not be afraid to pay for something. Are you kidding me? That's that the fact that you could afford to pay them says it all. Right. You know? Right. So it's all about the value exchange. Yeah. If you it's can, a trade, it's trading. Yeah. Right? If you can't afford to pay, then you got to figure out a different way to add value. It just makes sense. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but that's the difference though between the people who will connect with somebody and build a real relationship and the people who will 
run up to somebody at an event, shake their hand, take a selfie, and then post it on Instagram like they're best buds, but then the other person has no idea who they are. Exactly. Right? It's all about that positioning, which all stems from how much value you can add to somebody. Can you talk about like a couple ways when you don't pay? So like if you're not paying somebody for coaching, but you want to connect with them, can you talk about a couple different ways that you add? So like, it's always going to be independent and subjective based on your skill set. So like for me, for example, like Rob Deerdeck is someone who I've always looked up to Mm -hmm. forever. You know, how would I leverage like getting in front of him when you reach these people and money is not even a motivator, even if you do have it. And so one thing that I would like offer is growth in his companies. He's got a big portfolio of businesses. One thing that I would probably offer is just, hey, I'll do your marketing for free. Yeah. Simple, because I know how to do that. Another thing that people are aware of our skill set is videos. We do a lot of videos and they're crazy. So, hey, I'll do a video for you for free. Mm-hmm. But listen, if someone, that only works because in our particular position, our ads have been seen a bunch of times. So if they weren't seen and I was just coming in the beginning, trying to get in front of someone, instead of just saying, hey, I'll make you a video, I would just make the video and I would send it to them yes. and say, here is a video for you. Do you like it? Anything they will probably know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make them another fucking video. Yeah. And you know, if they don't answer that one, I'm going to make them another video. They're going to have 12 videos. Right. Then finally, you're going to be like, yo, all these videos have been pretty tight. One's going to get to them. Yeah. And they're going to say, oh, cool. Can I pay you to do another video? Mm-hmm. And I say, sure. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Like, just, so just, right. just take shots, guys. Like, the other thing, too, is like, don't be afraid of no's. Expect them. Yes. Gonna, you're going to, you will likely hear a no first. That is when any true salesman will tell you, when you hear the no is when the sell begins. Anything before that, you were order taking. Order exactly. You were selling. Yep. Um, yep. Exactly. If you didn't get a no, you didn't work for that at all. Mm-mm. Like those are, let's boil it down. One like networking tip, like one thing. Hey, if you implement this into your life tomorrow, you will start to see some more success with this. If I had to pick a look at 2018 right now, today thing, you always got to follow the trends. Trends will bring you a lot of success if you can get on top of one. One trend that's happening right now is people are realizing the importance of video. And it's been happening for a little bit now, but the thing is, is a lot of people still aren't using them in their business. And so something that everybody that's listening right now can do if you're trying to get in front of that person is make them a good video. Now, a lot of people say, well, I don't know how to make videos, but you don't have to. Go to a website like upwork.com, fiverr.com, and have someone, you can look at their portfolios, their resumes, the videos they've done in the past, and literally have them do it. And they'll do it for like cheap. And you just kind of broker that and be the middle person there. And there you go. You found a way in. So I would say that's a pretty cool tip to get in front of these for entrepreneurs who listen to this podcast. Everyone needs videos and that's a pretty good way to get in front of them is leverage video. And you don't even have to be able to make videos. So I'm curious with you having Valuetainment and all the awesome people that you'd be able to talk to on there. When you started the show, did you look at it as more of a way to get education out? Or kind of almost a selfish way to for you to be able to connect with a bunch of people and have those conversations and those debates with the people that you wanted to have them with? Good question. No, I honestly think when we first started social media, like I came on last, you know, from the names. If you look at the names today, yeah. most of the guys got on YouTube in 07 or, you know, 07, whenever YouTube came out or Twitter, they're early, Facebook, they're early. I was never on Vine. I don't even know what Vine looks like. Like I've <laughs> never been on Vine. I've never been on Friendster. I don't know any of this stuff. I was not a social media guy. When you sell mutual fund stocks, bonds, you're in the securities industry, it's so regulated that they, everything is, anything you post on social media, you have to get it approved. So we were told by broker dealers and FINRA that, you know, you were posting on social media could be held against you. So we were very much, you know, I just don't even want to risk it. So I don't want to lose my license. 
But once I got into it and I saw that today's line of communication is completely different. And if you want to be relevant today, you have to have a voice. You saw who's a president today. He's a president today because he understands Twitter better than anybody Persuasion. else. He's a, he understands Absolutely. Twitter better than anyone in the world. Mm-hmm. And he knows how to play with everybody. Mm-hmm. Yep. The president prior to him, he understands Twitter better than anyone except for Trump. He also okay. understands social media. Ron Paul was the first guy to raise $6 million in 24 hours on MySpace. Wow. Ron Paul, who is 83 years old right now, he ran as a Republican. He raised $6 million on MySpace, I think in 04, 06, some number like that. It's the most ever raised on the internet. This was a 70-year-old man raising $6 million on the internet. Yeah. So the moment you start seeing those kinds of things, you realize, I got to go in that direction. And Catching we did. on trends. And then you decide where you belong within it. I'm, today's uh, my car. I left it here because last time when we went to Austin, I left the rolls here. So this morning I get up to go and get in the rolls. I'm like, where's the car? It's not here. I'm, oh, I got to get it. So I call Uber, Uber picks me up. Lady, let's pick me up. We start talking. Where are you from? Well, I'm from Chile. Okay, great. So uh, what do you do? Oh, I also have a YouTube channel on the site. She's telling me, oh, tell me your YouTube channel. So I went and looked up her YouTube channel. And we're speaking. She says, no, don't look at it. Don't look at it. You know, I don't want you. Matter of fact, I want to give her love here on the video. She's got two subscribers. Okay. She said, I created an alias name. Her name is Daisy Habibi. Go give her a hard time, right? Say, Patrick talked about you on a podcast or an interview. Okay. She's got two subscribers today. And it's a makeup channel. Right? I'm not going to go on a makeup channel for myself. You're probably not going to go on it either. Not publicly. Not publicly, <laughs> privately, right? But I look at this and she says, oh, please don't look at it. It's embarrassing. I said, why not? But if the videos are not good yet. I said, don't worry about it. So right now you're testing. Yeah. You are not going to know for a year or two years on where you want to be. You're probably going to know two years. Look at social media and your brand like this. The first girl you ever kissed, you don't marry her. That's called puppy love. You come home and you tell your mom that's going to be your wife. Six months later, she kisses your friend. And then it changes. Then you have your first heartbreak and puppy love simultaneously. Then you have a steady girlfriend for two or three years. Then you learn how sex works. Then you learn maybe another girl. Then you finally realize what you didn't like about the first one, what you screwed up, what she screwed up, and what you didn't like about the second one or the third one. Then you have an idea who you want to be with long term. Then you choose, do I even want to get married or not? Maybe I don't even want to get married. But you know if you want kids, you know if you want to be married, you know whatever. So then you decided to get married at 30 years old, right? Yeah, yeah. Take that and compress it to two, three years at social media. You can be on social media. You don't know yet who you're going to be, but you will two to three years. Yeah. So you don't want to speed it up too much to put yourself in a box because you may screw up your next move. You almost got to dance with social media until yourself and your audience says, Travis, I like it when you talk about pa pa pa. Perfect. Interesting. I keep hearing this from seven people. Let's dig deep and see what this is all about. And it'll give you a lot of clues to what you, what you should do next. So the most important thing would be to take action, to do something. Start right? something. It, yeah. Yeah. Start something. The world wants to know what you're thinking about. Start something. Start something and see where it takes you. And then from there, you know, you got two brands today, your business and yourself. You have to make sure you're developing both. Today, Elon Musk wasn't at first. Now he understands Twitter. Okay, he got in trouble with Twitter a little bit when he got up and he said he's taking the company private and now he's being sued. But he also learned a little bit how to mess with Twitter. Years ago, Steve Jobs understood media. He would call Playboy and he would say, I, people who like Apple, probably also like Playboy because it's edgy. He didn't call New York Times and said, write an article on me. He called the editor-in-chief of Playboy and said, come and interview me. He Hmm. called him. 
He understood marketing. Yeah, yeah. Once you understand marketing and storytelling, things change. And attention. Grab yes. attention. Yes, relevance. You're staying relevant for a while. It's a hard thing to do. You know, there are only two artists in the history of America that have had a number one hit in four different decades. Mm-hmm. Let me say this one more time. Only two names wow. of people. You're from Austin. Do you know who the two are? Only two artists that have had a number one hit on the billboards four different decades. Do you know who the two names are? You have any clue or no? Ready? Ray Charles and Stank. Huh. Four decades. Wow. They were relevant for four decades. That's insanity. Yeah. You yeah. know Stank, you know Ray Charles. Four decades. It's not an easy thing to do. If you get a guy that does one hit as a famous for two years and they're done. Right. Four decades. That's legit. That's incredible. And in the business world, it's the same thing. How long can you stay relevant? And how do you do that? You have to constantly recreate yourself. Pivoting. So you have to recreate you. So you have to recreate you. If you don't, you become stale. Like, look at Will Smith. So there was this idea at one point. It's like, oh, only, you know, celebrities don't vlog. Right. right. You know, only people that want to be celebrities vlog. Right. So a lot of names didn't want to do vlog it. So what happened? Nobody's doing it. And then all of a sudden, Will Smith is sitting there saying, and people don't talk about me as much as they're talking about all these other guys. Yeah. I'm starting to see Logan Paul is more famous than me I was going to say, like Jake Paul. Oh, Paul gosh, yeah. what is wrong? I'll kill it on Instagram and vlog. Yeah. I want to kill all these guys because I'm the original Logan Paul. Right. right. You look at Will Smith. That's I really, mean, who is yeah. cooler than Will Smith? Right. So Will Smith goes on the Instagram game. What happens? Boom. He blows up the whole Kiki challenge, right? Yeah. He does the Kiki challenge on top of a, you know, he walks yeah, the bridge, up. I, don't know yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's legit <laughs> stuff, right? right. Right. So then you see, I'm with Kevin Hart. I said, Kevin, why YouTube? It's just the direction it's going to. He's a comedian. Only guy in the history of comedy that filled up a football stadium. Yeah. Football stadium. Crazy. He's on social media with a YouTube channel. Dwayne Johnson, highest paid actor last year, $124 million. Why does he have a YouTube channel? It's no longer about just the people that want to be celebrities go on YouTube. Celebrities are starting to realize to stay relevant, I have to recreate myself. And the entire game of relevance is to be able to constantly recreate yourself because yeah. people eventually get bored with you. Do you think it's a pride thing for a lot of people? They're just like, well, I do movies. I'm not going to do this as well. But um, that's below me. Yeah, sometimes maybe. And not just to that specific situation, just in general, being willing to recreate yourself. You would have to be able to say, I don't know this area as much as I thought I needed to. I need to learn more about this. Yeah, I mean, look, success lies. You know, people running up to you and tell you how amazing you are lies. I'll give it to you in a whole different way. Uh, women are beautiful in their 20s, in their 30s. There's a lot of beautiful women in their 40s, 50s, 60s. Like Sophia Loren was beautiful till the very end, or Elizabeth Taylor, or, you know, mm-hmm. J-Lo still is gorgeous at her age. My wife and I were looking at her Instagram account. We're like, look, what does she even look like? I mean, <laughs> it's amazing. She looks like she's still 18. Power to her, more power to her for understanding how much her body mattered. But a lot of times people think just because you were hot in your 20s, you're going to be hot in your 40s and you don't need to take care of yourself. Right. Right. It's very similar to people in business. Just because you became a millionaire, you were famous. You think at 45, you're still relevant. You're no longer a 22-year-old millionaire. Right. Now you're a 45-year-old millionaire. No one cares if you're a 45. No one cares if you're a 45 year billionaire. <laughs> you better do something completely different for you to keep right. the relevancy, right? So, you know, things are very different when you want to stay relevant for that long of a time. You have to constantly recreate yourself. Trump went from being a business guy. He was in the shadow of his father. It's number one. Oh, he is Fred Trump's son. Then he went into being a real estate guy because he went away from the market that his dad was in. He went into his own market in Manhattan. His dad wanted Jersey. He went to Manhattan. So he made a name for himself in Manhattan, which is where he wanted to be. 
Then he goes on Oprah Winfrey show. Then he has Apprentice. He recreate. Then he becomes a politician. President. What? Right. Four decades of recreating himself. Yeah. Whether you like him or not, got to give credit. He's still relevant. Yeah. Would you say he's probably one of the most, if not the most persuasive person in the world? Hands down. That's it for today's episode. Thanks for spending some time with me and my friends. If you want to be better friends with me, then head over to travischapel.com slash team to subscribe to my free newsletter, Your Friend Travis, where I share what's on my mind about life, building a business, raising kids, being married, and anything else I would normally share with my close circle of friends. That's travischapel.com slash team. And my biggest ask of you, since I'm sharing my friends with you, is to share this episode with a friend of yours that hasn't listened to the show yet and leave us a quick five-star rating in Apple Podcasts and in Spotify. It would mean the world to us as it helps us make sure that this show continues to be more valuable to you. Thanks in advance, and I'll catch you on the next episode.